quick disclaimer on this week's episode uh, before we get into the promo and the proper introduction. This idea about CM Punk just come to me and uh, I wanted to record it and uh, had to go ahead and just record while I was in my truck because I just need to get it out. I had to be creative. So I apologize for some of the audio issues. I tried to go back in and have my producer Daniel fix it, but I don't know if the file was corrupt or what. We just couldn't get it to where it was. So the audio is a little bit sketchy. So this week, um, I'm not going to put an ad in it. So at the end of it, you, you hear that there's an ad, but there's no ad break. So uh, this is my gift to you, my loyal fans and followers, because uh, we need to have better quality than this. So I apologize, and uh, now on to the promo. I've grabbed so many of Vincent K. McMahon's imaginary brass rings that it's finally dawned on me that they're just that. They're completely imaginary. The only thing that's real is me and the fact that day in and day out for almost six years, I have proved to everybody in the world that I am the best on this microphone, in that ring, even at commentary. Nobody can touch me. And yet, no, how many, no matter how many times I prove it, I'm not on your lovely little collector cups. I'm not on the cover of the program. I'm barely promoted. I don't get to be in movies. I'm certainly not on any crappy show on the USA Network. I'm not on the poster of WrestleMania. I'm not in the signature that's produced at the start of the show. There's the real truth, then there's the heel truth. That's right. Welcome back to the Heel Truth Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Ted Hill, the Hillbilly Hill. Glad y'all tuned in to check out another episode of this award-winning, critically acclaimed, still number one in Antarctica and in your hearts. That's right, the Hill Truth Wrestling Podcast. And I am the man. I am the man who breaks it down, all the Hill stuff for you. I'm the man who's a former independent wrestler in the AWF. That's right, the Arctic Wrestling Federation. For y'all that have listened to my early episodes, you know a little bit about that. One day we're going to do a deep dive into that. So I was part of the faction, the House of Elves. I was a tag team specialist with my tag team partner, St. Nicholas. And our brutal feud and rivalry with the Polar Bear Express, Polar Bear 1, Polar Bear 2, who were real polar bears. It's hard to find good wrestlers in Antarctica. But that's for another story, another day. We're back to talk a little wrestling, back to talk, some stuff been going on. I want to thank each and every one of you uh, for all the support from last week's episode. Uh, we got back in the top 150 of the U.S. charts there for a couple of days, still hanging around. We were still hanging around in the top 100 in Ireland. So shout out to all those that keep us in the charts. Shout out to all the accounts in the podcast to keep following, keep supporting, keep retweeting, keep liking, and all that stuff. And of course, you know, you can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever you get your audio listening stuff at. You can find me on Twitter at 
Hillbilly Hill, and I'll put out that tweet usually on Tuesday or Wednesday to promote the podcast. But if you've already followed it, you've already subscribed to it, then you know it's going to be right there when you pull up your recent stuff going on. And in that tweet, we will put um, a lot of shout-outs for some great accounts and great podcasts that I like to listen to. When I'm driving up and down the nation's highways in my old truck, I do appreciate all of y'all, and I'd really appreciate if you go over on Apple, give us a five-star review, and uh, then leave us a little review there. We've been getting a lot of those, and at the end of today's episode, I'll read out one of those five-star reviews. Uh, as I've been trying to do, we appreciate that. Go on Spotify and give a five-star review. That helps that logarithm. helps us get recommended and get other people listening. You tell people about us, we appreciate it. Appreciate it. Alright, so what's been going on? Uh, last week we had a great episode, got a lot of great feedback, booing the baby faces uh, with Yellow Shoe Guy, Bobby Mack, who's uh, frequently heard on Box Spots and Chair Shots, wrestling podcast with his co-host Will Gray, and they're part of the Smack Raw Network, uh, that's RN and Kyle over there, so uh, we appreciate all them, we got some other great guests coming up in the next few weeks, so excited about that, so what's going on in the world of hills, if you clicked on the episode, I just, let's see him pump, he seems to be in the news a lot, all the stuff going on with AEW, past week's Dynamite and the pay-per-view all out coming up. So what is it about CM Punk? Um, CM Punk, I didn't really watch Ring of Honor back in the day. So, you know, you go back and you watch some clips. CM Punk seemed to do a pretty good job there. It's a pretty good heel. Did get to see a lot of his some of his run there in WWE. That was right towards the tail end when I stopped watching, because I'd made it through the ruthless aggression there. Punk comes in, he could play the babyface, but I always thought he played a heel much better. Uh, you had the pipe bomb, you had the straight edge society thing there going on. So, what is it about CM Punk? Well, I've got a theory on this maybe some other podcasts have talked about this in the past, I don't know. But let's go back in time, if you will, to what I call the glory years of wrestling uh, when I was a teenager. And you start out, you've got a great feud with Dusty Rhodes against the Four Horsemen. Dusty had a little help. Uh, some, you know, had Magnum helping him. Had Ronnie Garvin helping him. Had the Road Warriors, different people. But what was it about Dusty Rhodes that made him the biggest fan favorite in the South and in the NWA and during those Jim Crockett eras? Now, Dusty was either the first or second biggest paid one there. You know, there's some debate in that uh, between him and Ric Flair about who was getting paid more. But let's just say those two were making the most money. 
Every now and then, Dusty would come out and brag about a little bit about money when he was trying to follow up a promo for Ric Flair. And every now and then, Dusty would wear a fur coat or something like that out there. But what was it about Dusty Rhodes that made him such a fan favorite? Okay. I'm going to tell you. He connected with the audience. And how did he connect? The NWA, WCW era there, uh, was geared more towards teenagers and adults, whereas the WWF at the time was more kid, and that's where you had the Hulk Hogan and all the different characters there. So, with Dusty Rhodes, you know, he talks about being the son of a plumber, talks about coming from poor, you know, upbringing. He was called the American Dream, talked about working hard and getting the success that he did. And then, his body style. This is no slide on him, just uh, at the time of the late 80s, we were starting to get into the body era where you had a lot of wrestlers that looked like bodybuilders. Uh, you know, we talked about Hogan. And even before that, you had people like Jesse Ventura and superstar Billy Graham. And uh, then as you, you know, you got Hogan and then in the NWA, you got Luger coming in. You got Nikita Koloff. You got some people like that. Uh, Rick Rude coming in. He's got these real muscular, cut-defined bodybuilders. And Dusty Rhodes just didn't look like him. But he could wrestle. He had charisma. He knew how to work an audience. And in that, I think a lot of the people in the audience related to him. Because he looked like their next-door neighbor. He looked like the guy at the factory they worked with. He looked like some of them. So they related to him. It was hard for a grown adult to relate to Hulk Hogan sometimes because they didn't look like that. It was hard for a 45-year-old man to relate to Lex Luger because he didn't look like that. And it made a good combination because here on the other side, you've got Ric Flair. And Ric Flair, it's hard to relate to him because he's talking about flying in jet airplanes, wearing Rolexes, $1,000 shoes, custom suits, limousines, you know, all this kind of stuff. So people didn't like him. Then you had Arn and Tully. Now, that's a little different. Tully dressed the part, talked about the stuff. Tully was just an average looking guy. He was athletic, but he wasn't a body guy either. So why did people hate Tully? I think one reason is, is if there's somebody that we can't relate to, sometimes if we can relate to somebody, we might be jealous. Just like Arn. Arn, you know, strong fella, but he looked like somebody you work with too. He looked like somebody that might be related to you, like an uncle or something. But he talked about living the lifestyle with his cousin, Ric Flair, and his partner, Tully Blanchard. So a lot of people thought, well, that guy don't look so tough, or that guy don't look like Hulk Hogan, or that guy don't look like Lex Luger. How can he make all that money? So 
I'll be a little jealous. So you got that group, which is a perfect stark difference between Dusty Rhodes. You know, when a horseman broke Dusty Rhodes' leg, you know, he, he was talking. He gave a famous promo talking about they were taking money from him and taking all this stuff away from him and being able to feed his family, breaking his leg. Well, people can relate to that. Fast forward, we get the attitude there. You got Stone Cold Steve Austin in, out there drinking beer, you know, got bald head because of male pattern baldness, and he had to end up shaving it. Had a knee brace on, showing he was vulnerable, but he just didn't care. He had the villainous boss. Mr. McMahon, billionaire company, trying to stick it to the workers. Stone Cold, didn't take no crap from him, cussed him, beat him up, all this stuff. Then McMahon would fire him and he'd win his job back by beating somebody else. And that related to people, because people a lot of times didn't like their bosses, didn't like the companies they worked for. Wish they could just go in and, as the famous Johnny Paycheck said back years ago, take this job and shove it. They were living vicariously through Stone Cold. They wanted to tell their boss off, and if their boss fired him, then they wanted to be able to challenge their boss to a fight. And if they beat him, they get their job back. So we had that. Then we fast forward through the ruthless aggression era. WCW is no more. You got TNA over on the side, but you got WWE. So they're trying to build the next Hulk Hogan. Going back to some of the kids. Got rid of the attitude era. So they're trying to get more kid friendly through those mid 2000s there. They bring John Cena, big muscular guy, loyalty, hustle, respect. So they're bringing him in and winning the kids back over and a lot of fans. So you end up by the end of the decade there, around 2010, you're losing some fans. So there again, what do we do? We brought in CM Punk. Come in from Ring of Honor. He looks a little different. Yes, some wrestlers had tattoos, but he had tattoos all over. And again, unlike Hogan or Cena, CM Punk, his body style, he looks like somebody that you could work with. Somebody that might be in your family. Somebody that you might know that worked at the grocery store. People started relating. Yes, he had a lot of tattoos. But then there was something different about him talked about being straight edge, especially after all the stories we'd heard from the 80s and the 90s of wrestlers. He's like, I don't drink, I don't do drugs. And then, just like Stone Cold Steve Austin, he didn't want to deal with the boss. He didn't want to deal with the big corporate machine. He told Triple H, he told Vince, he told them all what they could do with 
said he gave the pipe bomb, he took the belt, threatened to leave with it, had these feuds with Cena, and I think fans gravitated again, just like Stone Cold towards that. The big machine, getting rid of it. And then as a heel, he could flip it around, again with the straight edge, and say, I'm better than you. And because you drink your beer, and because you do drugs, and because you do all that stuff, you're a lesser person than me. Because I don't have addiction things like that. So it made him a good combination. He could uh, win the crowd as a baby face by sticking it to the man and uh, relating to him. Or he could turn it around and be a great heel by saying I'm better and being pretentious. Then gets fired on his wedding day. Not WWE no more. Uh, goes on Colt Cabana's podcast tells everybody all the backstage stuff and then he's gone tries to do a little UFC tries to do uh, some movies and different things and all these years every now and then in the stands the fans would shout his name CM Punk, CM Punk they wanted Punk back every time you thought there was going to be a uh, new arrival or something special. The rumors would get, oh, Punk's coming back. Punk's coming back. But he never did. AEW gets formed about three years ago. Actually, he is an alternative to WWE. Says we're going to have wrestling, we're going to do things a little different. They get some big, few big name stars, Jericho and Moxley there. The WWE, they've got Omega and the Bucks, Paige from New Japan, and the stuff they're doing, and uh, form this company. Takes off. You know, they get some different people here and there. And finally, after about two years into it, the rumors are spread, the news is going not a really big secret. I mean, they didn't come out and tell you, but AEW did everything but with all the little hints. CM Punk comes. He comes in, says he's been away, he loves the fans, he's really nice, he gives ice cream bars, and, uh, you know, and he's trying to say, get back in ring shape, wrestling some, and he's looking like a little bit tired, a little bit of an older fella. Fans are saying we want the heel punk back. Fans are saying that, you know, does he still have it in him? When's he going to wrestle for the title? You know, and Punk said he just wants to come in and have some good matches and wrestle with some of this younger talent and build them up and all that. Then in the meantime, Brian Danielson comes in. Danielson says doesn't say anything about that. Daniel said he comes. He wants to come in and hurt people. So he does babyface, then plays, you know, the transitional heel against Paige. Comes back sort of as a babyface with, the, you know, in the Black Blackpool Combat Club. So see a little difference there. So 
you know, pumps going along. Then he finally has a feud with MJF. Has that classic long thing. Definitely the baby face there. You know, and the whole time, what's he saying? He gives that promo and he talks about looking at himself in the mirror. Am I the bad guy? I'm trying to be good. Those were important words. You got to go back and listen to that promo. Finally beats MJF in the dog collar. MJF goes on against Wardlow. Wardlow turns. You know, probably thanks to Punk. And then MJF's gone. Now Punk's moved up in the rankings. He wants the world title. Him and Hangman Page. Punk is showing respect. Page comes out and says, I'm going to save AEW from you. Okay. Uh, also, Punk in that time also had one with a feud with Eddie Kingston. Kingston basically said the same thing. You know, people don't know who you really are. People don't like you. We see this little common thread. Eddie Kingston says people backstage don't like you. You're not who you say you are. Even MJF alluded, you're going to turn on the fans. You're going to turn on these fans. Now when Hangman Page, same thing. Then Punk beats Page, wins the world title, and like the next week or two there gets hurt, has to be out, has surgery on his foot to do the interim world title. Moxley wins it, goes on a great run there uh, for the last three months, having a lot of matches on TV, defending it, you know, doing all this. Now Punk's back. Him and Moxley, they got to fight to bring the belt together. They get in a war of words. Punk comes out first and craps on Hangman Page. That was odd. Or was it? Then he talks bad against Eddie Kingston. Hmm. Are we seeing a thread here? Then he talks about how Moxley ain't even the third best in his group. So put down Moxley. Moxley comes out, cuts promo on him. They're fighting. Uh, oh, and Punk said during his party, he said, you know, Moxley's the heart and soul. He said he'd be the dollars and cents. So Moxley's wanting to fight him right there. They have another pull apart for the end of the Dynamite episode. It's announced. They're going to fight on Wednesday night to unify the title, not even waiting for the paper. People are excited. People are trying to figure out what happens. Punk and Moxley come out there and shocked everybody. His foot gives way. And yes, I saw the stuff on Twitter. Why was he selling his left foot if he kicked him with the right foot? Okay. He planted on the left foot and his foot couldn't take all the weight because what did he already do, done when he came back the week before? What did he do in the middle of the ring? He hopped on one foot. And now he's on one foot trying to do a kick and it gets through. Mm. There's some psychology there if you're paying attention. 
Hugs hurt. Moxley squashes and beats him. Moxley is the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. Now, the internet goes crazy. What was that? I don't know what to think. Punk came back too soon. Punk is still hurt. Punk's going to turn heel now. What's going to happen? I don't know. But I am emotionally invested and I am excited for all out. Because I think they're going to have a rematch. So then what happens during this rematch? How can it be a rematch if he's hurt? Well, is he really as hurt as we think he is? Just like when Brian Danielson came back from the concussion protocol. He was selling his head like he was woozy and everything else. That's the thing right now. You don't know. Is Punk really hurt? Is he fighting hurt? Is he good? We don't know. That's when wrestling's fun. How much heat does Punk and Paige really have? You know? Is there a lot of heat? Is there a little bit of heat? Are they just agreeing to work professional? Or are they just working Sean Ross Sapp and Dave Meltzer and all the other dirt chains? I don't know. I do know one thing. Uh, when he called out Hangman Page uh, on BTE, his show Page was with the Dark Order training them. A guy burst open doors and punks in the room. He told him to get out. Okay, my question is, when did they film that? Because normally BTE is filmed when the Bucks and Brandon, who are all from California and fly in, uh, are at the show. Or did somebody else film it for him and give it to Brandon? Was it done Wednesday afternoon? If it was done Wednesday afternoon, then that tells me Hangman Page knew that Punk was going to cut the promo. Was it filmed immediately after Dynamite? If it was, they're still making fun of it. And does Page really care? Or was it filmed at a later date and then spliced in and there? But if it was, then that means... Hangman Adam Page had to get from point A to point B to get with the rest of the Dark Order. And I know Page is in Virginia. Uh, Ten, I think, is in Georgia. Not for sure where Reynolds and Silver are, but I know Silver's originally from New York, so I don't know if he's living in Florida or Georgia or somewhere like that. But in order to shoot that bit, if they did not shoot it on Wednesday when Dynamite and Rampage was taken, then they had to take time out of their schedule and fly somewhere and meet and tape it. Hmm. Interesting. So, and if I'm wrong and if there's already some stuff out there about when it was taped or all that, then somebody please tell me. But I don't know. I mean, they could have done it right after Dynamite went off and when Rampage was on, they could have went back there, but still, I find it funny. Interesting. So, how much is real? How much is fake? Work, shoot, shoot, work. Everything should be a shoot, work. Everything should have some truth to it and some lies to it in wrestling, and we should not know what's going on. That makes it fun. But we can just guess. Just like this coming up with uh, Moxley and Punk, what's going to happen? said I think they are going to have a rematch at All Out. Don't know how they're going to get there. Uh, uh, this is tape uh, 
before Rampage, I'm doing this on Friday afternoon, but I'll be won't be releasing it until Monday. So Rampage, I think Punk's going to talk, so they may have a good storyline to get there. Or it may be addressed and figured out next Wednesday on Dynamite. They've still got time. But then if they go into the match together, what's going to happen? Well, I think that I see two obvious options. One, Punk can just go ahead and turn full heel on Moxley, whether he wins or loses. My guess would be that he retained or he beats Moxley for the title. Um, that's just my guess. But if he turns full heel, because see, that's another thing. That's another thing. The squash match, people were saying, oh, Tony Khan was punishing Punk because the promo on page. Really? Because then other reports said the whole thing was Moxley's idea. So if it's Moxley's idea, it's telling me that he wants to look strong before he loses so we'll see but punk could just turn full heel punk embrace it and just go on a tear or since everybody was predicting he was going to turn heel he might do super baby face he's in Chicago he should have the support of the crowd he went through an injured match and hurt his foot again. He's going to have sympathy as a babyface, sympathy as being the older veteran, so he can get a lot of sympathy and be super babyface. And Moxley, I mean, really, he's not playing heel. He's not going to wrestle any different than he's already been wrestling. He's going to poke the eyes. He'll bite the forehead. He will bust you open. He's going to try to hurt you. So that's not anything different. It'll just be how the crowd reacts. So, I am eager to see if Punk does become heel Punk, because we know it's coming. Because, see, here's the thing about Punk. If you look at all these little threads with Kingston, Page, uh, MJF, all these things, Punk is not just going from one feud to another feud and telling many stories. This is a long arc. This is a long book. And these are little chapters. But he's going to keep parts of this in the story, I believe, for his entire run at AEW. Just like Kenny Omega and the Bucks and Paige with the Elite have done. This is going to be a story that will be with them and they will be intertied together until they decide to leave AEW or retire or quit or whatever. So I think Punk is doing the same thing. So that's the next question. MJF going to be back at All Out? Is he going to be back next week on Dynamite or uh, Rampage before All Out? Oh, that'll be real good. Because I think MJF, since he's been gone for what, three, four months, that when he does come back, he's going to get a pop. Normally, when his music comes on, everybody just boos. But, with him being gone, people wanting to see him, he's going to come back and probably get a big old huge pop. Then, that's the question. Okay, we've got Wardlow and FTR helping each other out and calling herself the Pinnacle again. Okay. What does that mean? Where's Sean Spears been all this time? 
You know, that's another thing. Oh, MJF's leaving. He's going to WWE. Tony Khan's just going to let him sit at the house. Tony Khan's going to fire him, release him, let him go. Okay. Well, why hasn't Sean Spears been on TV? You can't tell me they couldn't have come up with something, at least put him on dark or elevation or say something that, yes, uh, MJF's gone, we're not going to dress him, but here's Sean Spears. You going to tell me they, they, they just left him out on purpose? No. So what's going to happen? Is MJF going to come back, get a pop, and try to be a baby face and try to join the pinnacle again? Or is he just going to come back full heel and uh, go after baby, super baby face broke leg bump? Not for sure. But again, what is going on? We don't know. And I love it. So, all right. So, all out. Dynamite, Rampage, all this coming up, it's about to get good. It's about to get good. And I am emotionally involved because I want to see what happens. So, all that being said, just wanted to talk a little bit about current CM Punk. I think uh, that would be fitting, current CM Punk. And I'd like to know your thoughts. What is CM Punk going to do? Where does MJF tie into this? What will happen? You can uh, leave it in the comment section there on the tweet. But whatever happens, just remember that it's wrestling. And just because you read it on the internet does not mean it's true. It's their job to work us. It's their job to deceive us. It's their job to get us emotionally invested, however. So, with that being said, let's uh, go to an ad break, and then when we come back, we will uh, read the five-star review. All right, there's no ad break there. Like I said at the very beginning, I apologize for the audio issues this episode has said it was in the truck we just couldn't get the file to work out so i apologize for that but uh, we do thank you for listening and hope you'll tune in next week as uh, we got some guests coming up and uh, stay tuned on twitter at hillbilly hill because we may have some uh, breaking news of some things going on with the hill truth wrestling podcast um, as i said i was going to read a five-star review and this one was from liza 6w it's just awesome no explanation needed it's just awesome all right well thank you liza 6w appreciate that and again if you'll go on apple and leave a five-star review and uh, we'll try to read it out on the air and we appreciate all those and you can go on spotify and google anywhere you get your podcast from so uh again until next time there's the real truth, then there's the heel truth.